Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in Serviceman, which is the third play in this series. We're in the first act, entitled Brussels, and this is scene four, titled Birmingham. It begins with Michael, the narrator, who is Stanley's son. This scene begins on the rail platform as Stanley arrives home. He's 22, a hardened warrior and decorated veteran. Sarah and Milton Silverfield stand solemnly as the rail car door opens and Stanley steps to the platform. He smiles and embraces his mother, who is crying and seems almost inconsolable. Milton, standing aside in deference to Sarah Bell, steps forward with a fatherly smile and an embrace. There are no tears, just a long, symbolic hug, father to son. Now, both men, each changed forever by the war, find a moment to acknowledge that a once callow son has become a man. And now the scene moves to the Silverfield home at 3833 9th Court South, Birmingham. It's dinner time, and Ida May has prepared a lavish homecoming meal. Michael continues. Stanley is 22. Milton, 54, and Sarah Bell, 51. They sit at the dining room table, glowing with family silver and cut glass. Dinner fit for the king's return from the chaos of war to the quiet of home cooking. Three adults are considering Stanley's future. The post-war economy is improving as families begin replacing appliances and veterans search for cars, jobs, and homes. Milton and Sarah want Stanley to join the family scrap steel business, Birmingham Hide and Steel. Birmingham's industrial history reflects the state's vast iron ore geology. The king has bigger plans. He's going to Chicago, a city he loves, to join a different family business, Acme Paper Box Manufacturing. Stanley's older sister, Leona, met Lee Bernstein at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. They had married after college and are living in Chicago with their children, Dick and Margie, as Lee runs the family business with his father. The king wants a new, fresh realm to wander and consider. His writing from Europe in late winter of 44 reflected how he imagined returning home after the war. The contrast between surviving each mission against the frozen images of life as he left it. Now, however, he's considering a different future. Yes, Stanley will travel to Chicago and begin his new job at Acme Paper Box. He needs to build his bank account and enjoy the city. What's changed is his plan to apply for the GI Bill's academic benefits. He's decided to return to college. His choice is the University of Maryland's College Park campus. His war education is a good start for an aeronautical engineering degree. Stanley knows Glenn L. Martin. Martin's company built the B-26, 
which the king helped modify during the war on a special mission to Baltimore. Martin has given the University of Maryland $2.5 million to establish an engineering school. The first class begins in January of 47. Stanley plans to be in it. Michael reads from a March 17, 1945 letter that his father wrote from northern France. It's a remarkable look into the future. Dearest ones, we had a swell mail delivery again, and I received four more letters from you with one dated as recent as March 4th. If every day could be as grand, then all would be okay, as mail is all I ever look forward to. You're so sweet to write every day. I appreciate it as a letter is like being at home again. It brings you so close to me. What more can I ask? It's swell that Albert Sugarman is home now after such a long time overseas. I can well imagine his happiness. I, too, am envious of him. God forbid I should remain here for two years. My hopes and dreams are that someday soon I shall call you and say, Well, Mom and Dad, here I am in New York. Come and take me home. That is my utmost ambition, to go home and live again with and be near my loved ones in the manner which I was accustomed before all this mess started. You know, I've often wondered what it will be like to be home whether I've changed or if I will find things changed. I know it will take time for me to acclimate myself, but I only wonder if everything will be the same as when I left. I guess most of all of it will be the little things which we'll both notice. After all, living under such conditions as are prevalent here are bound to bring about some changes in a man. The sort of changes I'm sure only a close relationship previously can find. Then there will be the small things about a home life, which I have forgotten and which will seem new to me. About the best description I can find is that it will be like coming out of a long and deep sleep, awakening into a new world. You'll have to forgive me writing this way. Sometimes the craziest things enter my mind, and this just happens to be one of those times. Don't get the idea that I've changed. I guess I just have too much time to think. Thanks loads for the sweet wishes upon my promotion. Yes, it adds a great deal of self-satisfaction, but even more now that I know Jerome is still a second. I was always angry because he graduated before I did, after I had to work a year for mine. I still haven't received the bars. They certainly should be here if you sent them first class. Consequently, I still don't have any of my own. So please send me more bars along with more stationery when you get the chance. The stationery goes awfully fast since I'm writing all the time. No, Bill never came here as he said he might. I have a letter from him saying he went to Belgium instead. He promised to come down the next time he gets a pass. He also had some bad news, which he had received from home. His mother had one of her legs amputated as the result of a fall during icy weather there. He tried to get a leave to go home, but it was refused. It certainly is the most pitiful thing I've heard yet.
Every time you say you have been to temple, I get a warm feeling all over. I know you're praying for me, and that's all the encouragement I need. Surely the good Lord can't refuse to answer the golden hearts of two of his sweetest people. Please continue to attend services for my sake. Since my last letter, I have flown another mission. They are piling up, but there is still a long, hard road to travel. Nevertheless, I'm fine, and thinking of you constantly, praying you stay well. Don't be too lonesome. I have to laugh that Dave and Theo aren't speaking to Frank and Rose. It's the silliest thing and most childish. Won't that family ever grow up? Please keep writing. Love to Ida. I love and miss you, Stan. As the lights go up on this scene, Stanley and his parents are sitting at the dining room table. They've been talking about the fact that it's almost three years since Stanley got on the train to go to Nashville in January of 43. And Stanley begins, Ida, you can't imagine how I missed your cooking. And Ida May, the family housekeeper, Oh, Mr. Stanley, it's so good to have you home. I've missed cooking for you. You're a fine eater. And the king, Well, Ida, I'll do my best to make up for missing months of your meals while I'm in Birmingham. I'm particularly focused on your hot biscuits. Ida May to the king. Mr. Stanley, are you home to stay? I sure hope so. I have missed you so much. It's just wonderful to have you in the house. And the Silver King. No, Ida, I'll be here through Thanksgiving. But then it's off to Chicago to live with Leona and her family for a brief time. I plan on going to work for Leona's husband, Lee's family in the business. And now Sarah Bell. Stanley, I hope we can talk about Chicago and that you'll reconsider your decision. It is grand to have you home. Birmingham is a buzz after the war. There's so much opportunity, and your father's business is booming. The Silver King. Mother, I'm happy to talk with you and Dad about my Chicago plan, and I appreciate your desire to keep me in Birmingham, but... I've seen other parts of the world now, and you have to understand, it's different for me. I'm a different man. What about you, Dad? And Milton, who has been quiet and circumspect. Stanley, it's wonderful to have you home. Your mother and I are so grateful that you survived the war. We worried every day, wondered if you'd make it. And now that you have, we don't want to see you leave. And our hero, the king. Thanks, Dad. Yes, I am alive. Many of my buddies didn't make it. And now I'm ready to get my fill of every day. To the utmost. I hope you understand that what made me a marauder man was the focus and commitment that our work meant a future of freedom. And now that we have won, I'm going to chase that freedom. And Milton, I do, Stanley. I understand. I just want your days to be here with us in Birmingham. 
We need your energy and ideas as the business grows. The yard is full and busy. Our customers require full-time attention. We're working hard to keep them happy, and your future can be bright right here with us. And the king. I respect your feelings, Dad, but I'm a different man now. I'm not the callow kid who got on that train seeking pilot's wings. I've seen Brussels, Paris, Cannes. Add to that list Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Savannah, Atlanta. Birmingham is no match for Europe. I hope Chicago is. Lee said he's holding a production job for me. I want to give it a try. I love Chicago, and I know that you know that. As the lights go down on this scene, Michael reads a letter his father wrote on June 12th of 1945 from northern France. Dearest ones, and still no mail, needless to tell the effects of it. The truth of the matter has finally been voiced. It seems when we moved to Germany, our post office in this area closed. Consequently, our return had the mailman slightly confused. Though they have seen the light at last, it will take several days to sort the mail and have it delivered here. With this in mind, we have been promised to have it tomorrow or the next day. Of course, this promise may only be to quell our complaints. The point has been reached where you can't believe anything you're told. Nevertheless, my hopes are up. There should have been enough mail accumulated to keep me busy for several days, and I can't think of a better way to pass the time than reading your letters. The situation here hasn't changed a bit, I'm regretful to say. In fact, only the weather changes, and even that is for the worse. All night it rained, making today muddy, cool, and miserable. I've never seen such unsettled weather for this time of year. Well, the rumors are still flying high, wide, and handsome. I picked one up yesterday that sounds good enough to pass on to you. It is. Within three months, the entire group will return to the States intact for redeployment. That means the group will be dissolved and the men reassigned. It's exactly what I want and hope to happen. Being released from the group will give me a chance to re-enter pilot training. As I understand it, only the men back from combat are being admitted. Thus, my chances are excellent. And I'm sure I could make it with a second chance. Besides, it has another advantage, which I am sure you can see. So, that's the latest rumor. The time has been cut in half anyhow. Now, if it were only true, everything would be swell. The air review I was in Sunday went off pretty good. We flew over Frankfurt, and only yesterday from the paper did I learn who the show was for. I'm sure you must have read about it. Zukov and Ike had a big meeting there, and we paraded for the Russian general. It must have been an impressive sight, with so many planes flying in formation. Since our group led the entire division over, I didn't get to see any of the formation. I was navigating the second box, and I almost became group leader. That would have been something. They would probably still be looking for us if I had become leader. 
It seems funny going over Frankfurt without catching any flack. The last time I was over there, flack was intensely accurate, the worst I had ever seen. And we were caught by fighters besides. Yes, it was a funny sensation. Night before last, we went into Amin's to get away for a while. We only stayed a short while because there isn't anything there and they roll in the sidewalks at eleven. While there, though, I saw an exhibition of the kind which I never saw before and doubt seriously if I ever will again. I wish I could describe it to you, but it's absolutely not being done. So, maybe when I get home, if you get me real drunk, perhaps I'll tell you. It's something I shall surely never forget. There isn't any more news for now. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well. Love to Ida. I love and miss you, Stan. This is the end of Scene 4, Birmingham, and the end of Act 1, Brussels, in Serviceman. You are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs>